quietly, unless you want me to put the handcuffs on. Stop where you are. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, all right. Come on. Then all of it. Lock him up. All right, you fools. You've brought it on yourselves. Everything would have come right if you'd only left me alone. You've driven me near madness with your peering through the keyholes and peeping through the curtains. And now you'll suffer for it. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show from last episode um well i don't think i'm gonna have to break it i just i blatantly do break that that new rule because I, uh, what what do you, what do you want me i i need nicotine i'm sorry <laughs> anyway what's going on you guys um so i I'm on my second weekend pass from rehab. It's uh, it's quite nice. Um, it's a little strange always because, you know, the, this room I'm sitting in with my studio equipment has got some strange memories tied to it. Uh, and, yeah, um, so that's weird. <laughs> uh I mean, I need to paint my fucking ceiling because there's just just debauchery all over it. There's blood splatters I can see right now, faded. There's like gunpowder residue on my ceiling. <laughs> I'm, ugh, yeah, so yeah, I'm on a weekend pass for Labor Day weekend, uh, which is nice. I needed to get the fuck out of that rehab for a while is we we moved into the new building and it's huge there they did they got like like almost 12 million dollars in private donations not even like from the state it was just private donate donors of like rich ass people 
who, you know, know what kind of amazing things happen there. So they, they did like this, some kind of fundraiser. I got $12 million to renovate the, the original building. And so we moved back in and it, ugh, it's like a fucking mansion almost. They, we have a brand new indoor gym. There's a library on the third floor. There's um, a TV room that looks like a theater room. We have a little game room with like, you know, pool table, ping pong, foosball. Uh, I think at least a quarter million, like $300,000, I think, went into the kitchen alone, which is awesome. I'm like learning how to cook. Well, I knew how to cook before, actually. Don't fuck that. But I'm learning learning how to be a better cook. We got like this flat top grill. I make all kinds of bomb ass food. Um, so yeah, central air conditioning. Oh, thank God. You know, um, so I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool, but it's like on top of that, like, it's like, I'm busy 24 fucking seven. I'm like, you know, we have group, all these different groups. I have a uh, what they call a Genesis counselor now, which is pretty much like a therapist, and she's helping me work past all my my like like defects and dysfunctionality. Um, what else? Uh, I have a codependency class now. Um, I'm pretty sure in a few few weeks I'll be going into this learning center program and getting you know my resume updated and. Um, you know, getting prepped for when I have to apply for a job and get registered for school again. Uh, it's, it's, it's fucking, I'm like, I barely have free time to do anything. So it's been hard to maintain like regular releases because like, not only, I mean, well, let's put it this way. I'm busy, but it's like, maybe if I was allowed my computer and my phone, then I would be able to, you know, in my off time, pump shit out, but I have to go trek my, my fucking lazy ass to the library and use the slowest fucking computers it, it like ever. So to get those, it's just, and then they, what they do at the library, they have like, um, it's like a little timer at the bottom. So after 60 minutes are up, they automatically restarts. So if I don't save my, you know, transfer my, project files (laughs) onto a flash drive I'm pretty much fucked so um yeah it's uh but I mean somehow I maintain it so it's been nice it's nice to get up here and pump out some podcasts for you all um I did get a portable mic uh if you don't already know and um it's really nice I just still need to like figure the fucking thing out because um basically like I've noticed in the recordings I've done at, at the inpatient, I, I get like there's like this weird echo that I need to try and like figure out how to like take off somehow. It's not like it's a effect or anything. It's just like the room I'm in has a natural echo or reverb or whatever the fuck. So, um, yeah. So anyway, um, I want to get I wanted to tell a cool story, but there's just a few things. Uh, I guess little updates, I guess, um, that I've been dealing with, um, or just a little funny little 
side notes or whatever, but, um, you know, uh, like, <laughs> where to start? Oh, so if anyone in the house is listening to this right now, I just want to thank you guys for, you know, okay, well, <laughs> for all your, your penis portraits slash dick drawings you guys hide in my my workbooks and my three ring binders when I step out, you know, from flex time to go to the fucking bathroom. Uh, like, are you fucking serious right now? I fucking, we have the, uh, was it Mondays and Thursdays? We have something called flex time. It's just like, you know, study hall. You have to, you're, you're, you're allowed to either, you know, work on step work or, you know, recovery related things um, like you're writing a men's letters or, or whatever the fuck, or you can work out in the gym. And, uh, my lazy ass hasn't been to the gym once, which fuck, I need to get on that. But so I'm, I'm, you know, down here in, in the, in the dining hall doing a men's letters and, you know, losing my fucking mind. Cause I, my ADD picks up on all these little crosstalk side conversations when I don't want to. Um, but I'll step up and go use the bathroom and then um, get back to work. And, not, you know, unbeknownst to, ne- to me, there's like five like separate drawings of different shaped, sized and, you know, shaded dicks hidden in my, my Genesis book or my AA book or my binder. And then I'll be with, you know, someone like my dad or my therapist or something and I'll open my book and then a giant you know drawing of a dick with veins on it just falls out or is right there and I'm like oh oh what do you know I got dicked again so uh I've been you know saving and collecting all these uh you know plethora of penis portraits (laughs) and uh, I'll have to take a picture and upload that to uh, our Instagram so you can see all the different uh, artistic styles in which you can draw a dick, um, because it's, it's quite fascinating how, you know, this stag rehab that we, the, we love drawing dicks. <laughs> it's, it's awesome, I guess. Um, what else can I say? Uh, oh, um, oh, one other rule. I mean, I can't have a phone. I'm not allowed to fraternize or be in any relationship with any females or have sex so or any of us are not allowed to do that so needless to say I'm in a in a fucking giant building with about almost 50 like just horn dog fucking you know early recovery like (laughs) shot out debaucherous douchebags and we're all losing our fucking mind you know some people try to like go download porn videos from the library and put them on their mp3 players because they'll sometimes some of them will play video but it's like a thumbnail size screen so it's like, <laughs> you gotta really squint at it i guess i don't know it's weird and uh you know it's like there's nowhere to like uh relieve oneself in this house so people get really creative i guess showers or bathroom stalls I don't know it's fucking horrible I I yeah we're all losing our mind so one of my friends in uh in the rehab went to like a 
a sex store or a porn store and he was going to buy like like a nudie magazine and the the cashier was like oh well there's these these little magazines over here and they're three for ten bucks it's a really good deal and he was like oh fuck yeah so he went and bought you know these three little magazines for ten dollars and when he gets back to the house he opens it up and it's it's not a nudie mag at all it's it's <laughs> there's no pictures it's like these weird sex romance stories so it's all just words and he, he was like what the fuck is this and <laughs> and so now everyone's been like borrowing them and reading like these little short stories like the the, the tale of the babe the slutty babysitter or, or like other and they're I mean I read a couple I wish I had brought one up with me so I could you know read an excerpt for you but it's like so graphic it's like oh my god <laughs> like what the fuck and so, but hey, they're actually, even though there's no pictures, they're quite effective, you know? It's stimulating my mind and my imagination, where, you know, at one time it was not stimulated, <laughs> or only stimulated with drugs. Uh, so, um, there's that. Uh, you know, I think oh, it's like two more people got kicked out since my last, maybe even more, but recently in the last like couple of weeks, two people have gotten kicked out. I think like t over 12 people have gotten either kicked out or, or walked out since I've gotten there in the 130 days I've been uh, since I got there. So, I mean, I'm not trying to compare and contrast my recovery to anyone else's, but I, I mean... I would say I'm doing pretty well for myself if I'm still, you know, alive and kicking over there and on good terms with staff. But uh, we, uh, there was one point where three people, like right, like in my first month there, three people got kicked out at once. They uh, uh, smuggled some drugs into, um, they smuggled uh, heroin and meth into the facility, and they were all uh, shooting up in uh, one of their rooms. And they all got caught the next morning and thrown out. Um, and they were really, really good friends of mine. So it was a huge bummer. And um, uh, one of them uh, moved or was living with his girlfriend. And uh, they had a falling out. And he moved back to Maine. Um, so I'm hoping he's doing well. And then uh, the other two friends of mine who got kicked out for using... Um, we're just roaming the streets of Santa Barbara, just getting super strung out. And uh, one of them um, got so fucked up off goofballs, he ended up overdosing, having like a stroke, uh, seizing out and biting his bottom lip so hard it just like swole up. And uh, he was on a sick psychosis and uh, just walked up to the rehab not he, he didn't even really know or remember why he showed up and uh we were doing like a, we're double scrubbing the kitchen or something and we're like oh look at that homeless guy he looks like he fucked up and everyone's like no that's not a homeless guy that's so and so and he was just noodle grooving hard it was just it broke my fucking heart to see him like that and uh you know i would see him you know, around, uh, the, you know, downtown, and it was just, it just sucks seeing your friends go out like that, you know, um, but, uh, and then another, the, the third guy, um, friend of mine, he, he showed up at 
church one Sunday and was like nodding out in the seat and just just doing bad. Uh, but eventually they got let back in. They got they cleaned up their acts and got let back in. Um, and recently, well, actually one of them got um, uh, the one who had had the overdose. He he ended up getting arrested and then transferred back to the facility from jail. And, uh, you know, just like a couple weeks ago, he was like looking through his wallet and I guess he had left like two Suboxone strips in his wallet from when he was on the streets and forgot about them. And then he found them again, you know, while he was in the rehab and just instinctively ate one without even thinking. And then I think felt guilty and turned, uh, turned the other one in and said, Hey, I found this in my wallet. And then when they drug tested him, he was, um, he was kicked out. He was back for just, just hit one week being back, and now he's out. He got kicked out, but apparently he's you know at uh, a sober living uh, around here, you know the area, and doing uh, much better. So at least there's that. So at least, and one of the three is is doing great back at the facility. So, and then the 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 oldest gentleman in our house got kicked out for being kind of a grumpy curmudgeon and um being confrontational like just over and over again and uh you know uh one of our friends was riding his bike past a trader joe's and saw him flying a sign and it's just fucking sad seeing people go out like that you know get kicked out because it's like at this facility when they make up their mind to uh kick someone out they're they're they dig in, they dig in deep and they they don't, they're not gonna you know um, change their minds I guess so <clears throat> it, it's just I don't know it's sad but uh, I've just kind of learned over time like you know I, I the, the like other people's recovery and whether they choose to, to relapse or not or whatever is is completely out of my control um, you know some of the guys that get kicked out end up going to sober living and that's awesome uh, and I'm proud of them for that you know and they don't let that um, kind of feeling of abandonment you know take them out so good on them for that you know I love everyone in the house even the times when they annoy the shit out of me <laughs> um, so uh, oh uh, I've been you know I'm not allowed a job until phase four this is fucking hilarious oh my god I forgot about this story so, I'm not allowed an actual job until another, I don't know, like, like uh, eight months, I guess. So, I've been doing side jobs for, you know, pocket cash for vape money and caffeinated beverages and, you know, just toiletries, whatever. And so, um, I've been doing this side job for uh, this 98-year-old woman, uh Miss Lynch and uh you know she lives over in you know a really rich you know part of uh you know neighboring city next to Santa Barbara and I'll do yard work and uh and um and her she's got a giant fucking yard that's just totally like not kept up with so I I always have something to do there and you know for 98 years old she's fucking she's pretty fucking sharp you know but uh um yeah, it, it like she pays me ten dollars a fucking hour, and I only work three hours a week, so I make thirty dollars a week, which is just barely enough to have like a, a nice night out on the weekend, you know. But I mean, when you're broke as fuck, thirty dollars is like everything. 
So, um, uh, the last weekend I'm, you know, I'm doing some, you know, work for her and make 30 bucks and, uh, her son wasn't around to drive me back to the the rehab. So she, she, she was like, (laughs) she's got the most stereotypical, like old, like grandma voice. She's like, Oh, I will drive you back to the, the, the rehab. I'm like, Oh, okay. Miss Lynch. And so I'm kind of like, Inside, I'm fucking terrified, you know? I'm like, oh, man, I hope she can drive. I hope she can drive. She's 98 years old. So, you know, she, she's not the best driver, but uh, she, 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 I mean, I'm alive, so at least there's that. But um, she, was, she was driving me, and I'm, like, kind of clenching the seat, you know, secretly. And uh, she was like, oh... She's like, I'm going to drive along the beach on the way back. And I was like, okay, Miss Lynch, yeah, let's just drive along the beach. Fuck yeah. And uh, um, coincidentally, you know, there's this event right next to the beach. It was a pride festival. So there's all these booths set up and there's like this whole pride uh, event going on, you know, and I'm sure all of you know what pride is. It's, um, well, yeah, so... um, (laughs) <laughs> oh my god this is so fucking bad so we we pull up to the stoplight and um and on the sidewalk right next to my fucking window are these three girls and they're dressed insanely provocatively like they're they're barely wearing any clothes it's big bright neon fucking thongs and like you like i i'm guessing lingerie and um their fucking ass cheeks are just hanging out like crazy. Like, and one, this one girl, I mean, I'm pretty sure they were girls. I, I wasn't really, I was just like, <laughs> so fucking crazy. But this one girl had the biggest fucking ass hanging out. <laughs> they had like, you barely tell they had even fucking lingerie on. And I mean, you could because they were like bright pink. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I, I was like, I hope Mrs. Lynch's eyesight is just good enough to get me home alive, but just bad enough to not see like this giant ass that's like right next to the passenger's door window. <laughs> I was like, fuck. And we're just, this stoplight seemed like it was taking forever to turn green. And I was like, oh God, I hope she doesn't see. And so I'm just like holding my head down and looking and shaking my head like, oh God, this is awkward. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm like looking down and I just hear her go, oh my. <laughs> it was like, she was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, she could see it. She could see the ass cheeks. Oh no, this is weird. And I'm sure they're looking at, you know, they're, the, these ladies are looking in and seeing me getting driven around by a 98-year-old Miss Lynch. They're just like, just like flaunting their bodies. Hey, good for them. I mean, you know, be proud of what you know, the skin you're in and all that. But I was just like, this is awkward as fuck. And then, holy fuck. Because this girl was with a giant ass. She was, she was, I mean, I'm not... I'm not shaming her, but she's, just, she's a bigger girl, you know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. 
And so, um, but she was just like her, her ass was hanging out. Like she, <laughs> like you, like you could, the, this like skimpy clothes, like the, you, like it, yeah, she had underwear on or whatever. And like maybe a see-through skirt, but like you could see her whole ass. And so I'm just like looking at the ground and uh, I just hear Miss Lynch go, <laughs> She's like, that woman would turn any man into Ben Gay. It's <laughs> like, I was just like, Mom, Mrs. Lynch, don't, don't say that. Oh my goodness, Mrs. Lynch. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, and um, and then she was like, I mean, yeah, she was obviously like, oh, you know, the, I. She she was gonna say something else, but then she's like, "Oh no, that's too dirty for me to say." And I was like, "Oh my God, Mrs. Lynch, you need to stop. Just drop me off right here. I'll walk home." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my God," so that happened last week. There's always some weird, fucking, crazy shit going on. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, is this rehab business? Uh, yesterday we had a going away barbecue for uh, uh, the head of the kitchen. Uh, one of the staff members who ran the kitchen um, uh, was uh, he had found another job to um, be closer with his family and his kids, and we had this big going away party. So, uh, you know, Wes, if you're uh, if you ever listen to this, uh, thank you for showing me so many cool tricks in the kitchen. And, you know, not only being kitchen manager, but for, you know, always pulling me aside when I was acting out and blatantly breaking rules and not just like shaming me or making me feel shitty about it, but for actually talking me through it and uh, giving me the opportunity to progress and grow. You know, I really appreciate that. And um, so, you know, uh, yeah, I just major props to him. He's a fucking awesome human being. Um and then, you, fuck, I get back up here in San Luis Obispo, and I find out there's, like, been fucking um, prison riots. Like, there was, like, two in the course of a week at the local jail. I saw on the fucking news. It said, uh, what the fuck does it say? For the second time in two days, a riot broke out at the California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo County. Uh, on Thursday, 50 inmates were involved in a brawl at the facility on the yard, a medium custody yard. <laughs> According to the California Department of Corrections and Re Rehabilitation, about 35 in inmates rushed a group of about 15 inmates in the recreation yard. And there's like two inmates were transported to the hospital. I mean, like, it was just like a crazy ass brawl. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, and apparently, um, you know, in the same week, a, a fucking slow uh, PD officer was like detaining some dude and broke his arm. Like, you know, this is like unnecessary use of force. There's been like murders happening up here, like, like in Paso and stuff. It's just like, this town is like, it's a quaint, quiet town, but this town is fucking crazy. Like, I mean, I thought, L I mean, LA is insane. It's just, it's a bigger city, so there's more insanity. But dude, there's, I was like, dude, I'm glad I got the fuck out of here when I did because there's just, fucking insane shit going on here all the fucking time and 
I'd never been to the the prison in San Luis Obispo. I've been in the jail, and I would see people get boobopped all the time. So, I mean, I can only imagine it was like some. It was probably a race riot or some some bullshit. But yeah, don't don't go to jail or prison, kids. It's uh, it's not the business. <laughs> um, uh, oh, um, I have two more things I wanted to let you guys know about. So first of all. A lot of you out there in the Dopey Nation have been inviting me to to DopeyCon, um, and I really want to go, but sadly and unfortunately, I could not get my uh, my uh, tracker at rehab to approve me flying out to New York to, uh, for a weekend pass to go to DopeyCon. Uh, I know, I know it sucks, and, uh, and I'm not happy about it, but... Um, you know, I you know I have a sister that lives in New York, and I was gonna just crash on her couch and see my nieces and stuff, and then, you know, I guess, fucking take the subway or something over and and go, and that would've been awesome. It would've been awesome to go out and see all you guys who are going, and you know, you get to see how shot how how less shot out I am, <laughs> and uh, you know that would've been cool. Um, so, yeah, that sucks. I can't go to DopeyCon, but. You know what? It's more of a reason to stay sober, well, that much more, on top of everything else, so that next year, for the next DopeyCon that happens, I will be there, and, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll dress up real nice in a nice suit, and, uh, and look all like I wasn't a fucking tweaker junkie. <laughs> um, uh, well, what else do I want to say? Um... So, uh, I have been contacted by, you know, a few people who I've done phone interviews with, um, and that are like, are you ever going to release the episode you did with me? And, uh, I need to apologize for not having, well, I haven't really had the time or the resources to, to get those edited and uploaded, but I'm going to do my damnedest to, um, to, to, you know, mix and master them, uh, and then listen through back to them. Cause I usually have to always listen to episodes and then take notes on, on little things that I have to, to censor or edit out like last names or, or just whatever. So, uh, I'm going to try and get on that while I'm up here on my weekend pass. So my apologies for anyone who I've had on who, um, I haven't uploaded your episode yet. I mean, ugh, it, it, you know, it's, hard knock life having a podcast in rehab um you know uh but other than that things are great you know um uh i've been learning a bunch of shit about myself you know um i think i was just telling colleen like it's crazy like trying to get comfortable in my own skin again um like i used to just kind of go along with the crowd of friends I was with and whatever they were getting into, I was going, it was totally hundred percent down to go along with and, um, you know, do whatever they were doing, whether it be drugs or whatever drugs or stealing a car or, or fucking running drugs. It was just like, Oh yeah, we're going to do this. All right, I'm down. And I think a lot of that had to do with, I was like kind of seeking validation and acceptance from, from other people because I couldn't uh, validate myself and had uh, no self-worth and it's crazy because like it seems like 
even though I was, you know, I had no identity, uh, I was seeking validation and I felt like more comfortable in my own skin or more of a human. And now that I'm developing my own self-identity and, and doing things for myself and, and bettering myself and, and being more picky and choosy of who I surround in my life, I, I somehow feel like more invisible, which I, is fucking crazy to me because I feel like it should be the opposite. But I guess, you know, when you're learning how to live a happy life without drugs, you, it's kind of, you go through this process of, you know, noticing emotions and having to face your emotions when I was used to running as far away from my emotions as possible, you know? So, um, yeah, I get, I have to get thrown in uncomfortable situations all the time. And, and sometimes I get stuck in my own head and, you know, I, I, I fucking, I fucking conjure up these, like, you know, these false, like fantasies of situations and, and future trip or, or I'll, I'll think up like uh, scenarios in my head that aren't even based on any kind of reality, but it's like my mind races and worries and jumps to worst case scenario off the bat. So I'm like, oh my God, what if it's like this? And what, oh my God, it's, you know, it could be something as simple as people signing out and going to see a movie without me. And I'm like, oh, they don't like me anymore. Oh, they're talking shit about me. Like, and then I think I'm like, somehow I'm thinking everything uh, every situation outside of myself somehow has to do with me. Oh, this has to do, this has got to do with me somehow. Like, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm so, I have severe mental illness, but I'm working past it. And, um, I've noticed, uh, doing like, you know, helping others has been like really a big part of helping me get out of my own head. And, uh, so I try to do that, you know, I'm on step 12 and uh, I'm at the position where I can start sponsoring people not people in, in the house, uh, but, you know, uh, I can start sponsoring people, so I guess I need to get on that because it's going to reinforce the steps within myself. And, you know, doing even little simple shit, such, like even like when I serve uh, breakfast and dinner to the homeless, like, you know, it usually at first I'm so, such a selfish asshole addict. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go serve the homeless. I want to go do something that makes me feel good. I want to go you know, talk to people on, on Facebook, or I want to go fucking do a podcast, or I want to go, you know, go get fucking Starbucks, or fucking, I want to do things that, you know, I feel like immediately satisfy me, but then when I, you know, break away from that, and then I go and help other people, or if someone approaches me and talks to me about their problems, and I, and ask for my advice, and I help them work through it, I somehow just get out of my own head, which is amazing, like, you know, like I was serving the homeless just the other day. And at first I was like, fuck, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. Uh, I mean, there, there are some fucking characters there. So I'm standing in the dining hall and I got all these fucking pastries in front of me and cookies and shit. And so, you know, homeless people come up to me and be like, oh, can I have some cookies or can I have that? And I just kind of was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not going to be in a bad mood anymore. I'm like, I'm going to fucking rock this fucking pastry job right now. And, uh, this homeless guy comes up and he's just like, he's kind of like timid and shy. He's like, Hey man, can I, have, can I have a cookie or some cookies? And I was like, fuck yeah. You want some fucking cookies? Yeah, here you go. And I take like a stack of like seven fucking as much cookies as I can fit in my hand. I'm like, here, you want some cookies? Bam. Here's some fucking cookies. Boom. You got yourself some cookies. And like, 
Dude, the look on his face, like, it was so satisfying. He was just like, he lit up. He was like, oh, fuck yeah, this guy hooked me up with the cookies. And I ended up, like, just tossing cookies out to all the homeless people, like, like fucking Oprah. I was like, you get a cookie. You get a fucking cookie. You get a cookie. And uh, it felt good, you know, like, doing something, like, you know, outside of myself. But anyway, f- fuck all these, like, updates, you guys. Um, I'm going to tell you a story. And it's a pretty bad one. Um, I've told it on other podcasts. I don't think I've told it on this podcast, but this is the, I guess, I mean, I call it the exploding eight ball story, but I think it was much more than an eight ball. Um, uh, I think it was like an ounce of cocaine that exploded. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, these fucking, so basically uh, I'm like really fresh uh, and had cleaned up my act. I'd gone through a detox and, you know, off heroin, but I'm like, I'm still dabbling. I'm still doing coke here and there. I'm still smoking weed. It's like, I'm not really practicing recovery, but I'm just like, all right, I'm off heroin. I can like, you know, do what I, you know, what I want. And so, um, I'm with this girl that I was seeing and we're like, uh, at the time when I was seeing her and, uh, we're like just doing something stupid, like going to in and out walking around Walmart, and I get a call from my, my buddy D, and uh, D is like, I'm like, what's up? And he's like, what are you doing right now, man? And I'm like, I'm just walking around the fucking plaza, like just fucking chilling, like what's up? And he's like, he's like, okay, so check it out, man. I need to go on a road trip up to San Francisco, and I need to pick up a few pounds of weed. Uh, and I want someone to go with me and be my, like my road dog, my, you know, like I need someone to like, you know, make the drive not as seem as long and, uh, maybe have you drive for me if I get tired and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I was like, well, yeah, okay. When are you going? He's like, I'm going like right now. And I'm like, well, fuck dude, that's kind of short notice, man. Like right now, like I wasn't preparing for this shit. And he's like, come on, man. Just like, he's like, he's like, look, he's like, It'll be like a job, you know, I'll pay you, you know, it'll be cool, man. Come on, let's go. And so I'm like, I'm like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. And he's, I was, he's like, where is like, he's like, all right, I'll be there in five minutes. So I'm like, well, fuck. So I'm just, I just hang out at the local Walmart and yeah, sure enough, five, 10 minutes later, my buddy D pulls up, picks me and my, my girlfriend at the time up. We drive from AG to San Luis Obispo, and we drop off my girlfriend, and we're driving on um, Madonna Road towards the, the 101 freeway to get on and, and trek it all the way up to San Francisco and do this. So, you know, he he's like, soon, like the minute we drop off my girlfriend, he's like, all right, man, hey, he's like, hey, do me a favor. He's like, in the cup holder, there's a key. Grab the key, and under your seat is a lockbox. Just take the key and unlock the lockbox and open it for me. And I'm like, okay. Sure enough. I mean, I had a weird feeling about it, but hold on. I got to fake before I sell this next part. (laughs) Sorry about baby, you guys. So anyway, I take this key, and sure enough, there's a lockbox, (laughs) like a fireproof lockbox under my seat. I put the key in the lockbox and I open it up and sure enough, there's a fear and loathing sized drug collection in said lockbox. I see some, I see some shards of meth. 
I see a bunch of gel. I see some gel tab acid. I see a corner baggie of some Molly and, you know, some other drugs. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Here we go. Like, I'm like a week clean. Well, kind of clean. Uh, and here I am. Like, <laughs> here I've gotten in myself in deep again. So, uh, um, <laughs> like, uh, I fucking am like, okay, well, it looks like we're doing this. Drugs are right in front of my face. So I'm like, all right. I was like, all right, D. Uh, if, um, <laughs> I was like, if we're going to go on this road trip, I'm going to need some of that meth right there. <laughs> Because I want to be alert. <laughs> and he's like, all right. So we pull into a parking lot and I'm crushing up a shard and I'm racking up a line and it burned to all hell and makes my eyes tear up in water. And he does one and we hop on the freeway. And so, you know, I'm on a, on a good one now. I'm like, well, at least there's no heroin in the car, you know? At least, you know, let's, let's be optimistic about this. And so uh, I fucking. Um, I, uh, you know, throughout the road trip, you know, this, it's like, you know, mid evening, the sun is kind of, you know, beginning to set. And it, so at one point he's like, all right, he's like, Hey, Brian, uh, pull out that Molly and, uh, pull out a key bump for me. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fuck it. I was like, do I get one too? And so he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. You're, you're getting loaded with me. So I, I undo the, the knot in the, the baggie of Molly and I scoop out a fucking giant fucking chunk of it with with our with a key and I hold it to his nose while he's driving and he snorts it and then I do one myself and I'm matching him every time he does a drug I do a drug and so you know we wait for that the drip to come and, and that to kick in and so now I'm on fucking ice and molly and I'm feeling pretty good and we're listening to some good music and he's hogging the fucking auxiliary cord like fucking nobody's business pissing me off <laughs> like can I play a fucking song now dude and he's like, it's just, it was crazy. And so then, you know, like 30 minutes later, he's like, hey, Brian, hand me a gel tab of acid. And at this point, I'm like, oh, are you sure, man? Like, fucking acid, bro. And he's like, yeah, come on, man. I can handle my shit. So I, I, I break off a, a gel tab of acid for him and break off one for myself. And now we're candy flipping and tweaking. <laughs> and the sun's setting more and, uh, we're just low we're fucking fried <laughs> and uh we're starting to get into the city limits and it's nighttime by now and all the lights are out and it's looking really amazing you know uh like because we're fucking loaded and we uh the 101 north bound um it eventually just turns in it, it doesn't really it just, it, it kind of ends and turns into a road and it just spits you right into the, you know, down, not downtown, but it spits you right into the city of uh, San Francisco. And so we're driving around the city, you know, nighttime, all the lights are illuminated. It looks amazing. And we pull up into a part of uh, the city. It's called the Mission District. And uh, the Mission District has some rough parts, but I mean, you know, it's 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 got its own little subculture, I guess. And so we park way down the street and we're gonna we get out and we start walking like fucking like 12 blocks we walk uh towards this bar where uh my boy d is gonna meet up with his two friends um and you know i'm like on high alert like because not only am i fucking frying and on molly 
So my perception is already like strange, but then I'm on meth. So I'm super high alert. Like I'll hear a homeless person like shout and I'll be like, oh man, no one better fuck with us, man. You know, like I'll fuck them up, you know, like I probably look like a fucking psychopath. And so we're walking and walking and it seemed like it never ended how much, how far we were walking. I'm like, fuck Dylan, why did you park so far away from this bar? But we finally get to this bar and, um, Apparently, this bar is run and, uh, you know, frequented by uh, a certain gang. Fuck, I forget which gang. They're like like a Scandinavian gang or like fucking... I forget what which exact gang it was, but it was some kind of gang that, you know, trafficked a lot of cocaine. And so uh, they were having like... You know, they're kind of like closing half the bar down early to have like a salsa dance night. So there's like salsa dancing going all on around us. And uh, we meet up with um, my boy D's two friends. And uh, their names were Trey and Tone, I believe. I think it was, yeah, Trey and Tone. Now Trey was like this token black guy. He had met my boy D at like cannabis uh competitions and he grew and and sold weed to dispensaries and stuff so and my buddy dylan or my buddy d you know he uh he also grew weed and and helped uh uh distribute weed um and so they got to know each other and were really tight um now tone uh, I didn't know this, but he's a pimp, uh, like a full fledged, like hundred percent. He's a pimp. I didn't know this at the time. I just like, you know, and I'm, I'm fried and I'm meeting them and conversing with them and I'm trying to be down. Like, cause I'm just this like, you know, this like suburban dorky white kid who, addict. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm talking with them, getting cool with them. So they start all getting drinks and they're drinking at the bar and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to have any alcoholic beverages, sirs, because I think at least one of us needs to be at least able to pass, pass a breathalyzer, you know, uh, in case someone needs to drive. Like, I'm trying to re- maintain some level of responsibility. And so, you know, the night's getting, we're getting into the night, we're hanging out, partying, you know, uh, fucking I see Trey like flirting with one of the gang members like girlfriends and I'm thinking this is going to be bad like he's flirting with this girl who who's got a a gang member boyfriend this is weird uh fortunately you know nothing pops off then uh and so my buddy D and Trey go upstairs to talk to these gang members and they're going to go in on an ounce of of blow of coke and so they're off doing that. Tone and I step outside of the bar and Tone starts to roll up a, a backwood a blunt, you know. And so we're smoking this backwood on the on the fucking sidewalk and, uh, you know, I'm still f- tripping balls. I'm tripping face. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like questioning what's going on because like these like these ladies of the night will walk by and Tone will be like yelling at them you know, about money or something. And at the time I'm just like, man, tone, like these are some you know nice young girls here. Why are you talking to these strangers that way? 
but apparently there were his prostitutes. I just was I unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this, but he was their pimp, and he was like, "You better get my money." It's <laughs> like I was like, "How? Why would you talk to some, you know, random stranger that way? That's not very appropriate." <laughs> the Caucasian in me, like, "Oh my gosh!" And so we're smoking this backwood, cracking jokes, and this same cop car is just circling around the block and just cruising by super slow, just staring at us. And I'm like, okay, uh, this is uh, strange. Uh, but they're not harassing us, you know? Like, I don't know what if they were, like, paid off or what the fuck is going on because I'm just so fucking out of it. And, you know, I'm cracking jokes with Tone, like, trying to tell him about, you know, these, like, million-dollar idea schemes I have to, like, get all my college friends to be like Twitch streamers or something. I, I was just like out of my fucking mind. But finally, my my buddy D and Trey get downstairs and they got the ounce of blow. Uh, D's got it in his hand, in his, in his jacket pocket. And he's like, Trey's like, don't whip that shit out. You know, what the fuck? So they, you know, we all finished the backwood blunt and we're hanging out, you know, just shooting the shit. And then we're trying to go leave and um, go back to Trey's place to have an after party. You know, there's going to be a bunch of girls there. We're going to party some more. It's going to be some good times, you know. So, but but Dee's car is like 12 blocks down the road. And we're, we're, at this point, we're like, yeah, fuck walking that far. So, um, you know, Trey and Tone are like, all right, we, we got a truck. We'll give you a ride back to your car and you'll follow us back to the pad. So we walk over to this truck. First of all, it's the smallest truck I've ever fucking seen in my life. There's only two seats, you know, and there's a truck bed. So I'm like, there's no way four of us are going to fit in this thing. And I'm pretty sure it's a stolen truck. Uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure when you, you have to jam a screwdriver in to start it, it usually means it's stolen. But, you know, I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> so, uh... Trey and Tone are like, yeah, get in the back and lay in the back of the truck bed and we'll drive you back to the car. And, and Dia's like, no, fuck that, dude. Like, <laughs> and they're like, come on, man, just trust us, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we're like, all right, whatever. And so they're like, don't lift your head up above the truck bed. We don't want the cops to see you guys riding dirty. Like, we'll get pulled over, you know. And so... um. We were laying in this truck bed. I'm staring at the fucking stars and all the trees and the buildings and the lights. And uh, Trey just peels out and starts driving like a fucking psychopath through the city of San Francisco. Like, driving fast. Like, taking corners super fast. Like, skidding, swerving. Like, just driving crazy. And we're bouncing around back there. And at this point, I'm in, stuck in my head on acid thinking like, oh my God, they're going to drive out and kill us or something. Like, why are they driving so crazy? And I just look at my buddy Dean like, what the fuck have you gotten me into now? Like, I was safe at my, you know, in my hometown. And now I'm on like three or four different drugs. I'm tripping balls. And I'm in the back of a truck bed with these two dudes I just met. And they're driving like we're going to fucking plummet to our death. But somehow you know, we, we don't get pulled over and we make it to D's car. So we get out of the truck bed and, uh, Trey tells D, he's like, Hey, you know, go into your car and break out that Coke. It was like an ounce. And he's like, divvy it out. Cause they, they went in on it, you know? 
Uh, and you know, what I didn't realize is at some point in the night, D had taken a second tab of, of acid. So he's frying a lot harder than me. And so he's walking to his car and he opens up the passenger door and in, in, in fumbling around, he, he, I guess the, uh, the ounce of Coke was wrapped with like some cellophane or something, some like cigarette cellophane or so. I don't even know, but it was like super, it was like. It was like dry and cracky, so he bites into the bag of Coke to like open it up. But he, I guess he's not, you know, aware of how hard he's biting onto this Coke. And so the entire ounce of cocaine just explodes in his face everywhere, like everywhere. You know, I walk up and see and look, there's cocaine all over the passenger seat. There's cocaine all over the sidewalk and there's cocaine all over my friend D's face and I'm just and I can see his mind just shatter at w the thought and realization of what just happened all this all these dr all this drug all this coke is just everywhere and he's just like in shock like what the fuck just happened and I walk up and I'm like oh my fucking god this is a bust and by this point it's like Two in the morning, there's no one on the streets, there's no cars, the cops are gone, and we don't even know where the cops are. And uh, I'm like, what the f I was like, holy fuck. And so Trey walks up and he's like, what the fuck did you do, bro? And so now my buddy D and Trey are trying to find like a piece of paper or a car, like a flyer in the car and scoop up this Coke. Tone is in the truck, he's like, I'm not getting out, I'm not going back to jail, fuck that shit. I'm like walking away from the situation because like they're trying to scoop up all this coke like uh, at one point a homeless dude walks up and picks up a few rocks of coke and scurries off he's like I'll help you pick it up takes a few and runs away with it and uh, um, you know Trey and D are arguing and I'm like dude like let me help you fucking fix this and you know D pushes me on he's like you're stepping on all of it get out of here so I just walk away and lean up against the wall and keep a lookout. And then Dee's got this giant pile of coke on this like fucking flyer for a rave. And he's arguing with Trey. And at one point he's like, well, what the fuck, man? And he just starts shaking it. And then coke flies everywhere again. And I was like, oh my fucking God. It went from like the best night ever to the worst night ever. From zero to a hundred, just like that. And I was like, holy fuck. So... <laughs> You know, looking back on it now, I can laugh at it, but at the time, it was pretty frightening. So they scoop up as much of this fucking coke as they can, and divvy out what, what they could fucking, you know, save. And, uh, you know, um, I think at one point, D gives uh, Trey some, some molly and um, to calm him down, and he eats it, and he gives the sour face, like, ooh, you know, bitter drug face. And... Uh, Trey runs into his truck and he's like, all right. Oh, and also during this time afterwards, D lost his, the keys to the car. And so now we don't know where the keys are and we're stuck. He's got Coke all over him and we can't find the keys to start the car and get out of here. And so Trey and Tone are like, dude, get the fuck out of here. This is a crime scene. Go. <laughs> you know, I'm not going back to jail. So they just take off. So now I'm trying to help D find the keys to his fucking you know, Ford Explorer, this <laughs> is so bad, so fucking bad, uh, somehow we managed to find them, they're like under the seat of the car, and so D he starts up the car, 
And we're now we're driving through the city, just like freaking out. He's covered in coke. He's probably coked out too from all the coke on his face. Like it, it was insane. And so now D, my friend D is driving. He's trying to drive and fiddle around on his iPhone to get on Google's Maps and find a gas station and to find a way to get out of the city. We're like, we have to leave. Shit is bad, <laughs> you know. Um, and he's swerving all over the place. He'd been drinking. This is, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, either let me drive or let me use your phone to get on Google Maps. You don't need to do both. What the fuck are you doing? You know, like this is all bad. Like, we're going to get pulled over and go to jail the way you're driving. And he's like, he's like, shut the fuck up. You're just making me swerve more. I got this. And he won't, he won't give up control of anything. So finally, we find a gas station. We pull in, get gas. He gets on his phone. We find the nearest on-ramp to the freeway. And we just, we leave. Or we leave town. We didn't even get the pounds of weed that we were supposed to pick up. We never got to the after party to hang out with Trey and Tone and all these girls and have an even better night. It was horrible. So now we're driving back home out of the city on, on the 101. And uh, and it was just bad. It was like, he's, he's my, my friend's driving insane. And he's like trying to process what's happening. And, uh, you know, then he gets on the, the phone with his, his girlfriend. And he's like arguing with his girlfriend on the phone and making my, my buzz just and my fucking trip horrible, you know, I'm just like hearing him like yell at his, his girlfriend about what just happened, and, uh, you know, uh, at one point we have this weird deep conversation about like white privilege, you know, because we're like, oh, we get to go home and be safe, but whoever, whatever gang members Trey and Tone owe that money to for the coke, like, you know, they, they don't have such a, uh, a bounce back from this, like of the our, the our fuck up, because somehow I was I was blamed for him biting into this coke and it exploding. I was like, dude, I, what the fuck did I have to? I was not. I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, we do some coke or do do something to try and stay awake. D's falling asleep, so he won't let me put the heater on, and he keeps the windows rolled down because the cold air keeps him awake. So I'm freezing and like just like curling up into a ball, not even looking at the road, just praying to whatever God will listen to me that we get home safe and alive. And uh, and somehow we do. <laughs> we get back home. Uh, he drops me off, and I'm like, dude. You need to give me that last shard of meth. I need that. <laughs> I got a lot. I got a, I got a lot going on this week, and I'm gonna be so fucking. I'm gonna be such a a, a fucking like my brain is going to be fried tomorrow. I need something to keep me cognitive. <laughs> so I take the last shard of meth. I go home and I lay in my bed, and I just think, what the fuck? What the fuck is my life? What the fuck is my life right now? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> And then I'm just stuck in my head wondering where Trey and... I do it until this day. I wonder where Trey and Tone are. We had the craziest, coolest night ever. And now, who knows where the fuck they are, you know? I miss those guys. You know, Trey and Tone, if you're listening, I miss you guys out there. You know, I wish I could party with you again. I mean, but not a sober party, you know? We can vape and drink, you know, Starbucks. But <laughs> I guess, you know... 
city life is I, I was not cut out for city life I just ran with the fucking insanity of it all and it got me into some shit from time to time and uh, D eventually um, he I've probably talked about this before he ended up uh, you know weeks or months later he was trying to get me to like run drugs or, or help these rich dudes like acquire drugs because they had a lot of money and he was you know selling them drugs and making money and uh at one point, I guess, he uh, was on so many drugs. He uh, was in Santa Barbara before I had went down there. And uh, he the he was in his car, passed out, and police rolled up on him and shined a flashlight in his car. And he's passed out in his car, and he's got all these drugs and, like, two handguns. And so he's kind of battling that court case now, and he's actually at a sober living uh, in L.A. So I should get him on the podcast sometime. Um, and yeah, that's the exploding eight ball story, even though it was more, much more than an eight ball. <laughs> so with that, you guys, I guess I'm just at, just at an hour. I just wanted to do a quick episode and, you know, update you guys with how I'm doing. I, uh, did a couple really cool phone interviews last night when I first got up into town again, and I'm going to edit those. And I'm just going to cipher through all the old recordings and the ones I did at the house and um, try and get as many of those done and uh, on scheduled posts so I can just, they can get released every Friday and then um, I can go about my, my recovery business. So with that, you know, I love you all out there. Thank you to everyone who's been in contact with me. All the letters I've been getting, I have re- responded to them and I need to mail those out to you. Um, you know, if, if you send me a message and I don't reply or if I forget to reply or if I take a while to reply, just, um, message me back. It's, it's just hard to keep up with all this shit. Dude. Like I'm busy all the time, but you know, I hope you're all doing good out there. I love you all. And, um, you know, be safe out there and stay strong. And as always, peace, love, all the above. Yeah. I feel like nobody know me anymore. Oh my God.